Hey, friends. So today we are talking about something that has been ongoing on our homestead. And I mean, really, honestly, since we moved in, <laughs> and that is what to do with all these trees. Uh, so we bought the property because it was a foreclosure property. It was 10 acres. And we thought, you know, we can afford this. It's 10 acres. It's close to where we live already. Um, there were a lot of pluses. The major negative was that there were trees everywhere. We, we bought a house in the woods. Yeah. Welcome to the Schoolhouse Life and our I Bought a Homestead Now What podcast. I'm Lacey. And I'm Drew. Homestead health and business strategist. And between us, we have nearly 40 years experience in homesteading, parenting, and holistic living. We love helping people live more sufficient, deeply rooted, and satisfyingly connected lives. Two to three times per month, we post a new podcast on Wednesdays that will inspire, ease, and answer questions about this lifestyle you may not even know to ask. People and homestead strategy clients ask us all the time how, why, and what to do to make their homestead less chaotic, more efficient, and mostly more peaceful. The lessons we've learned, the training we've had, and our strategic approach will help you skip steps and find more ease in your homesteading journey. Did you hear something you like? Did you learn something new? Please share with a friend or on social. Tag us at The Schoolhouse Life, and we will be thrilled to share and connect. Your shares, encouragement, and even questions are what keep us going. Thank you. And we did at the beginning have a ton of trees taken out because there was like a hundred foot pine trees all around the house, which was like terrifying and dangerous. And, you know, everybody that you talk to in the South is like, you don't want pine trees that close. And the first ice storm, you will find out you don't want pine trees that close. Uh, we actually were so, so grateful because we had a bunch taken out. And we, I mean, our main goal was really just to create a space to garden I right. mean, to start with. Yeah. Um, and then we thought, oh, you know, we'll hit the rest with goats because that's what our goal was when we first moved in was to have a goat farm. Right. Um, and that, you know, we took out a bunch. And I think going back, like we've both agreed, we would have been far more uh, aggressive with that. We both, I think we both, it hurt us to cut trees down. I mean, it did almost it, physically, spiritually, emotionally, you know, like all the things I, yeah. it, was, it was painful to watch trees come down. It was painful to watch them come down. And it, uh, thankfully, we were naive the first round at the amount of effort it would take to clean it up. And that, because if I would have known, I probably would not have cut down as many. Mm -hmm. But we just like, some guy was like, yeah, I'll do it. And I'll just push it all to the side and you'll be oh, fine. The worst part was he dumped so many of them just into the pond. Yeah. And he dropped them into the pond and couldn't get them out. And then it, it was a mess. And then we, that was a different guy, right? That, oh, yeah. that went across to the backside of our pond and we have seven acres back there and we had that select cut and with the idea that we would open up the canopy so that we could have um, grass to graze. And we knew that the canopy had to be opened, but we didn't realize how much. And again, I think mm -hmm. we were like shy because we didn't want to take all the trees out. Well, we also hired the wrong guy. Like the guy didn't know... Right. He wasn't like the kind of guy who was like, what's your goal? He was like, uh, I'll take out the things that are worth my time. Right. <laughs> and so he took out some pretty big trees, some of the, the older growth trees that he could get to and, and manage. And then he left a lot behind. And not only that, we didn't have a plan like going in after him of how to approach it. And, you know, a year later, it was nothing but undergrowth. Well, that was shading I, it out again. Yeah. And I think like we thought... Um, that we would, he would take it out and then we'd go in there and we'd like plant grass seed and grass would be growing. And like, after he left, we were like, oh, well, this isn't going to work. <laughs> and kind of like, 
I, we sprinkled like, some seed back there over the yeah. years, but ultimately we stuck goats back and sheep back there and thought, well, maybe they'll get it to where we need it. But it was so much. I mean, I don't know what the ratios are necessarily. Like that's how want, they measure. We wanted it, yeah, sixty percent open, right? Forty percent canopy is like right. the max. And I think we had more like a eighty. 80. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Even good. after he cut yeah. it down. And so this time now we have a had a new logger. They just finished. And um, well, let's like reel it back because for years we've been like, what are we going to do with those acreage acres back there? We'll put right. cows back there. We'll put animals back there. But they're, you know, it's like seven acres that they're done within three hours because right. there's just not a lot of forage back there for them. Yeah. And ultimately, like we've had the same vision of Silva pasture, like an oak savanna. You read the Mark Shepard books and, you know, like everybody's like, this is the way to go. And I totally agree. But what I've like very recently learned is that there's two kinds of silo pasture development. There's a additive silo pasture and subtractive mm. silo pasture. And those are just like, additive is way easier. Additive is way easier. <laughs> That's what like I was listening in this to the silo pasture podcast. And um, that's what they were saying is like, there's not a lot of work to that. And I was like, yeah, I wish that was my problem, but that's not the problem we have. We have the subtractive, which is an insane amount of work and money and time to yeah. even get to the point where you can start trying to grow grass. Right. And, and so much money. I mean, I think that's the thing you would think, okay, you have these beautiful trees, you could cut down and get lumber from them. It's just not that straightforward. And when you don't have a lot of property to do, you don't have lumber companies really interested. You know, they, they want to set up one time and take down as much as they can and seven acres on a pretty difficult to get to patch is just not ideal. So we had, we struggled and actually for years, we're kind of looking for somebody to come in and take out more. And then finally Drew stumbled across a guy. Um, actually we heard from him about him from a few people, the forestry service being one of those people, because we have reached out to them and said, you know, what would you do? How could you turn this into pasture? And I mean, the truth be told, the forestry service is very conventional and they have a lot of ideas that have been passed down from generation to generation, at least decades. And they aren't necessarily up to date on regenerative agriculture or even silvo oh, pasturing. Silvopasture. Yeah, they're they're like twinkling, like here they you say it and they're like, oh yeah, I heard of that, <laughs> but it's not in practice for right. sure. Right. In fact, the forestry agent that was like over our whole, whole area showed up and she had like done Google research the night before to like come out and tell us how to silvo pasture. Right. Which like so if you have a small piece of acreage that you want to log like. Listen up, because here's some advice. <laughs> tell you how I feel like, you know, the the first thing was like, you need to know your homework and you need to be solid in what your plans are before you start asking for the quote unquote professionals mm -hmm. to start coming out. Mm -hmm. um, especially when you have like the land grant universities like um, NRCS and, you know, all of these places that ha are funded by big ag and funded by conventional wisdom mm. they're going to bring that conventional wisdom out to you and there is uh there is like a benefit to having them out but it's not that their ideas and practices are the end-all be-all so you can look outside of their wisdom make a plan and then allow them some wiggle room. Well, I will tell you, they know what you need to do in order to get the money from the government that you might be seeking. Right. And yeah. the truth is, like, I think it's not worth it to us to do it the way the government would say to do it and then skip all the... It's like one of the major things that was a little bit 
appalling to me was that spraying chemicals to just kill everything back there was uh, is one, one valid option, option. yeah like, <laughs> for the forestry service for the forestry service which yeah. is like even more surprising yeah but i mean i will say like when they came out like she was coming out to tell us like we couldn't do it and like it was it like, felt like that yeah i mean she she pretty much said like you can't have cows around trees and it'll kill trees yeah. that's a common thought for right. sure so it, it was like a I was like, okay, no, I know about cattle. I'm asking you to come out and help me with forestry. Right. And um, I think once we established that, actually, the turning point was we had a small piece that we had already. I mean, what's that, like a 16th or a 32nd <laughs> yeah. of an acre? Not much. That um, we've already developed into a civil pasture, growing grass underneath trees. And, as and if you want to know how have we done yeah. that. So the first guy that came out that cut trees cut several down in that area. Several have died since we moved in and Drew has cut down like slowly but surely two or three of them, you know, over the course of the last 12 years since we've been here. Right. And then we've also fed hay there continuously like for the last, I don't know, eight years. You know, I think the turning point was we planted sun hemp there one year because it was such a small acreage and it was by close by the house. We were able to like really just seeded it really heavy. And that sun hemp, I, I still remember that kind of the pivotal moment is after that it grew like eight feet tall and then we put goats on it and they ate it down to the ground and then the next year is when we really started getting grasses Mm -hmm. so i don't know how that's all related other than it probably turned the soil into more of a grassland soil from the fungal soil of the forest it had it shift gears a little maybe yeah because, yeah, you have all the debris from the trees and it's automatically thinking this is a forest and right. it's going to support the growth of more forest. Yeah. And so you want to have some kind of an alteration there that throws things off of that trajectory. Right. And it was so thick that it wouldn't let any like undergrowth grow. It was like it shaded out everything else. Right. Well, and if you've read, um, oh, shoot, the something of trees. What is it? The book? Anyway, they're brilliant. Trees do these incredible things, but like a tree, a mother tree will feed its own baby tree more, more through its roots. Yeah. So there, I mean, that system is happening right. and we're trying to interrupt it and make something that's a little bit more ecologically diverse and um, supportive of human life. Yeah. <laughs> and anyway, but so where we are at, we've, so we got to the point where we got found this small lumber guy who would come out and he would cut trees and he did, he went, he came back and it took him about two weeks, I would and say. It, and to like, just to encourage you, we, I called probably 20 different logging companies. Over bef- the last six years or so? Yeah. I, well, after we had the forestry department out, they gave me a list and I, oh, I called yeah. the entire list. Yeah. And so it this takes guy a found, lot. He found his niche in doing... He said like 30 acres or less Mm -hmm. is generally what he does. It's just him and another guy. They work Monday through Thursday, what seems like about 9 to 1 (laughs) (laughs) p.m., 1 p.m., and they're done. Mm -hmm. And he said, like, that's enough for them. That's all they need to live on, and that's what they do. And, I mean, really great guys, really professional. Right. And that's what I'll say is, like, first lesson learned is, Seeing the equipment. So they showed up with this 14 ton. Oh, versus skitter. the original guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the, original the original guy, guy showed up with a skid steer on wheels, not tracks, and um, got stuck back there multiple times. Oh, he made the biggest ruts and messes. Yeah. I, yeah, I thought our, our property would never look good again. But the other thing that I learned after these loggers left, talking with the next step that we'll talk about, which is the <laughs> land clearing guys. 
is that um, a lot of loggers don't care. They'll come rain or shine and just leave massive ruts with these like 14 ton vehicles, which um, I'm quite, I'd say two out of the four people that we've had out commented at how little mess there was as far as like ruts and things. So this logger, he was like, he came out like maybe 10 months ago now and um, was like, yeah, I'll come out and I'll do the job, but it has to be dry. And he waited until it was dry, but apparently some loggers will just come and just make an complete mess. Oh, any, a lot of, a lot, we've had fencers do it. We've had, you know, land clearers do it. I mean, I would say most of them are willing to get dirty, like in a gross way and sort of wreak havoc on your property no matter what. And then just kind of leave and, and be like, just oh, yep, sorry. That's what happens. <laughs> yeah. um, but anyway, so we've, he's come and he's gone and that leaves us in this new place of, okay, how in the world? So Drew said, we've talked to these land clearing options. We've talked to um, forestry mulchers. We've talked to uh, just a guy who would just move it into piles so that we could burn it. Um, but should there we, is, should we talk numbers? So much back there. There's so much of this plant material that, you know, if we don't get it cleaned up, the truth is the trees are just going to grow right back through where those logs are laying now because it's the tops that they can't take to a lumber mill. Yeah, so I think we should talk about numbers because I, I think it's important. <laughs> okay. So we had approximately between five and seven acres cleared and it was not completely cleared. We wanted silvopasture. So we went back and we selected, I would say, like 10 to 15 trees to keep. Um and after that, the guy that was doing the logging selected more trees to leave because they're what are called pulpwood trees. And this is like my first tip to you is he said, at, you know, halfway through this process that there was no money for pulpwood. So he was leaving those trees, which what that meant was we were making less off of the logging, which, you know, will come around in a second here for the cleaning. and. um but also that he was leaving more trees than we had anticipated, which made the cleanup more difficult. Mm. So in retrospect, I'm not sure if I would have or not. Maybe have them chop I and might, drop. I might have waited. They're not going to cut trees unless they're taking them out. But I might have yeah. waited until the pulp wood was up. I don't know. We probably still would have done it. Would you have waited? I don't. I mean, I guess I don't know. I would like to see the numbers. What's the difference between yeah. the pulp wood? How where can it go, and what is it now, and what we are might, the chances of it going up? Right. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. We might have made like another five hundred dollars off of it. Well, and it's not even the money so much as the like getting them out of there. Right. I mean, so I, that's that what, was like I was take it all, keep all the money, just take it all and keep it all. Like right. that's what my theory was. Yeah. So that they would be gone. So there's also loggers that will come and bring chippers out and they take what's called the slash. So the slash is like the top part of the tree that where the tree branches out, the loggers just cut that and they take what's from the bottom down and they take that to the, but they can cut a straight board out. Yeah. But what that means is they, these loggers in particular, and a lot of loggers do it, they leave it. Especially from what my understanding now is the smaller ones have to because they don't have the equipment. Well, I don't think you could it. probably get the equipment you need back there. Right. The one guy told me that they would need to be able to get an 18 wheeler back there mm. and turn it around. 
Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> there's no way. Not only is it, you, we don't have a road back to it. So he, I mean, they kind of made they one. They could make one, but. But yeah. also you get back there and it's very steep. It's yeah. not, I mean, I guess they do it on mountainside. So they potentially could do it, but it, right. it was just, yeah. So the first check that we got was for, or cash actually, you got to pay cash. So that was kind of cool. <laughs> but um, it was for $500. And it was like, I think it was two weeks worth of wood. So they were getting $10 a ton for this wood that was kind of lower grade. I think you took tulip poplar out first. You took tulip poplar, yeah. So it's also like an interesting thing. They take it out by species, which uh Well, it, well it makes sense. When you yeah. take it to the mill, you're going to want it to be all one thing, probably. Right. Um, and then they took out, after that, they started taking out the like prime wood, which was the white oak and red oak. And, and that hickory? they... No, the hickory was after that. Hmm. But then they got... um fifty dollars a ton for that and so we ended up with fifteen hundred dollars for that and then they took out which means they got three thousand because he was splitting at 50 50 they right? were splitting at 50 50 so yeah and um and the other thing was when i first talked to him i had told him he could keep all the money if he would just clear the logs which i'm so thankful that he said no to that <laughs> why because I just wanted it cleared out there. And I was like, you know, we didn't have another company. So I was like, just come and take the logs and, you know, open up the canopy so we can grow grass. Oh, if he'd taken what is still on the ground out there, I'd say you'd definitely keep it. Is that not no, what you meant? No, I mean, like what he did, uh-huh. but like kept all the money because we, couldn't, oh. because we couldn't find anybody to do it. Oh, yeah. We were and just grateful. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't really realize how bad of a mess it was going to be. Uh-huh. But so then the last load was pines and hickories. And um, that was probably a week's worth of loads. And that was another $500. No, $1,500. We ended up with 4000 total from the logging. Um, so then the next step was we went back there and we were like, oh, my gosh. It looks worse than a tornado <laughs> and a hurricane coming through together. It's terrible. It's insane. The, the, the cool thing is, is you can see light. So like there's this really beautiful opportunity that you can right. sense being back there. You can feel this, uh, this opportunity. And I mean, to be fair, like there were some really beautiful big trees. We kept a lot of those. So if it, you can imagine if it was just grass growing underneath oh, those, it'd be, so beautiful. It'd be heavenly. I can see it. Yeah, I can see, I can it. see it. I know it's there. <laughs> but it's so difficult because to get from where we're at right now, which is all of these branches, giant branches on the ground. Um, and the other travesty is that it's like really, really good firewood potentially, but right. the hours and the labor and the time and the danger and the danger, it's so dangerous back there because all these logs are just in willy nilly piles. And well, they've been pushed by this 14 ton vehicle right. out of the way. So or like, dropped on top of each other. So the branches, some of the branches can be like under an immense amount of pressure. That's mm-hmm. like you cut the wrong branch and it's trebucheting back yeah. into your face. Oh, um, <laughs> death trap so that's but, what it really feels like a bit is it excuse it me does, a death trap. it does it, but <laughs> so the first guy i think the first guy we had come out uh came out and he looked around and he was like you know there's all these pulpwood trees so it's like this thing that i'm gonna have to navigate through to clear it it'll be mm-hmm. eighty thousand dollars and I, my mouth just dropped i, I like, mean look let's 80, remind ourselves 000? what do we want to do the full potential of that property seven acres potentially full potential three cows per acres 21 cows spending eighty thousand dollars to have a property that might eventually support 21 cows yeah. it's just you know like 
Yeah. It's insane. I think it like goes back to the idea of, you know, we didn't know what we didn't know. So we bought this property and we thought, you know, you cut trees down. That's not that big of a deal. You can do this. You can do that. Um, it's, you just don't know how much these things cost. And I mean, maybe now they're ridiculous. Like everything is, you know, like maybe I think, it's a I keep going back to like, issue. what would the pioneers have done? And I think like. One tree at a time. One tree at a time. I think like girdling the trees. I don't know. Like thinking about that. I think about like Pa and when they left the, the little house in the big woods, I think they left because it was woods and he wanted prairie. Maybe. I think the value of but cleared like land is like. And stuff. He wasn't running cattle. No, I know. But I'm just saying the value of cleared land. He couldn't have planted wheat in the forest. I think nah. it feels like endless potential to have cleared land. Oh, for sure. Right. And so that's like. Well, I look at some people that are like buying like a soybean field or something, and I'm like, well, yeah, oh, that's that, maybe the other like, end of the spectrum. Yeah, that's good to me the other end because you could plant trees and you could plant some faster growing trees, but like the healing still, of that soil, you're still mm. like a ways away, and yeah, and then you have the like soil, and I, I don't know. I mean, oh, there's I, fertility back there. <laughs> I think it. Would, I definitely think it would be easier on a on a soybean field. Yeah, but that's not what we have. So, <laughs> not, but I think it's important <laughs> to consider that if you haven't purchased a property yet, what are you getting and how is it going to serve the needs that you have? Because maybe truthfully, you just want to grow mushrooms and you could grow all the mushrooms you want back there. Yeah, you could. Which we talked about, but we did talk we, about we want we want livestock. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um, so then we had another guy come out and he quoted like 40,000. And then we had a guy come out that was like a forestry mulcher and he quoted 6,000. So if you're keeping up where we have a deficit of at least 2,000, if not more. Oh, and that's to, like, you know, a forestry mulcher cannot, these logs are, I mean, there are some of them. Yeah. I don't know. If you can see me. <laughs> Like 12 inches in diameter? I'd say there's some that are 24. Yeah, at least. Yeah. And so, you know, the forestry mulcher can get through maybe can, 10 inches. They can do it. It's just they're going to be there. Like, Forever. Yeah. So yeah. we have a good friend that's a forestry mulcher, and he's going to, like, grind up as high as he can. And then we're going to just keep some logs back there. Thankfully, it's for cattle, so it doesn't need to look like a park. And um, hopefully, I think he's still on the schedule to come out tomorrow and get started. And we're just going to spend the money that we made off of logging doing it. And then we're going to pause and. Well, first we're going to see what, what, what happens in four hours of doing that. Cause right. if it's just not really getting anywhere, then yeah. we need to be, you know, yeah. wise about that. Then I don't know what we're doing. <laughs> then we're going to call in all the beavers yeah. and <laughs> anyone who has a chainsaw. Lane said, just light it on fire where it's at. <laughs> Lane, the fireman. Yeah. I feel like. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it feels like maybe after a big rain. Yeah. Um, but it's going to be, yeah, it's a nut. It's a mess. It's just, it's so hard to wrap your brain around. And, and I think you just feel kind of defeated. I mean, I know I feel defeated. Like how many lessons are we going to learn? How many, how many times are we going to come up to these walls, these barriers and be like, yeah, never mind. We're just going to let it sit for another seven I, years. I, I mean, will, that's pretty much what's happened. I will say the other massive mistake. I'm not sure if it's really is I had given up on the idea of having it logged. So I fenced the perimeter. Yes, but the wind there, and if you've listened to our fencing episode, you'll know, is that you it wasn't like a hard wire fence. It's it, high tensile. It's a high tensile. It's not woven wire. It's yeah. not woven wire. It's not um it's 
it's going to be movable. It's all T-post or trees. So essentially what we'll do is just after this mess is cleaned up, I'm just going to go in there and fix whatever's broken. Yeah. And it won't be a huge, huge deal. Like the wire, the hardest part of high tensile is pulling the wire. Well, a few T-posts might be busted, but yeah. other than that material is still there. Right. And so, you know, if you did that to a regular fence, like it would not. Oh, a woven wire fence. Yeah, that would be, oh, yeah. that'd be horrible. In fact, the guy did, we have, you know, this other little section that is in a hard wire fence up near the road. And um, he was like, yeah, I think I better not do anything yeah. in there for the sake of the fence. Right. So, um, I mean, if you're taking notes, I, I would say like my takeaways so far on this and we'll update you in the next part, but is, you know, find a legit logging company, which seems like it kind of goes without saying. I mean, at this point, you think about that, like I haven't pieced this together yet, but I'm having this revelation. But $80,000, we could buy, you know, eight more cleared acres somewhere close by. <laughs> it would be Or smarter. we could buy a really nice <laughs> of a piece of equipment to start forestry mulching that back there. <laughs> like, that's what, that's what I laughed about to myself. I mean... $80,000, like, buy your own excavator. I mean, maybe it's going to be a hundred grand for a really big excavator, but, I mean, when you're at 80000 what's 20000 more? <laughs> <laughs> we're just we're not believe, doing that, but... I just couldn't believe the guy looked at me with a straight face. Well, and, you know, to be fair, it's his, his work is in, like, subdivisions, not in pasture clearing. Yeah. I mean, in the reality is, even the guy that said 40,000, he said he felt really bad saying that number, but knowing what our goals were. Knowing, but he <laughs> he's like, that's really what it would take. So, yeah. I mean, I would say like, I think if, to do it again, I would want to know what the cost of cleanup was going to be before I started. I don't know if they could have projected that. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know that I don't know. Maybe maybe the lumber guy maybe, could have. Yeah, some people say like a forestry consultant you know, you should think about hiring. I've seen some people say that their forestry consultants were like absolute trash and not worth having. And then some say they were good. Where do you find one? The forestry department has a list of forestry consultants. Interesting. And but, it's not the people from the forestry service that came out and walked property with them. No, it's like a professional who they take, a, I think they take a cut from, uh, you know, okay. it's like 5% or something like that wow. from whatever you make. But they, but they're negotiate. more into like making money from cutting the the property. Yeah, they like negotiate the best price. I think they even work with the mills. So like oh, you wow. know they're making sure that you're getting the most money because it's advantageous to them. But they, the ones that I could find were not interested in our small acreage either. So it was kind of like you know they're doing like hundreds hundreds of acres at a time. So I I don't know that. I, I, I Which that's the wall that we bump up against constantly in yeah. this lifestyle is, you know, you have this homestead and it's what, five, 10 acres maybe total. And you're, you're trying to then go to the extensions agent and they're like, yeah, sorry, unless you have a hundred acres. They're like, you're not care. a real farmer. I mean, there's so many like regenerative things out there that I've written about, like to, to people about, and they're like, oh, you have to have 80 acres or more. And it's just so frustrating because it's yeah. like, how much more power would we have if, Everybody who had five acres could use these services. I mean, right. And I mean, I will say like, so our NRCS agent, we had a rough start with him, but I feel like we're kind of starting to get somewhere with him. And I called him the other day and was like, hey, we finished getting it logged because he was kind of like, you know, that's the next step. And he was like, OK, that's awesome. We'll talk in January 
And I was like, do you know when in January? He's like, no, I'll call you. And I was like, okay. So there's like potentially funding from that that we can get maybe. <laughs> but um, well, yeah, I, it seems like the potential for yeah. that is more for like a, an 80, 20% on seeds. Yeah. And in my experiences, it's generally so far, it has not been worth waiting for the government on that. I will say there's also soil and water, which is different than NRCS that we maybe should talk to them and see how they could help us also. Yeah. But um, yeah, that's where we're at, <laughs> which is we have um, a few trees standing, a whole lot of mess on the ground, and we're waiting to see how much a forestry mulcher can do. If you would like some firewood and you're willing to cut it yourself, <laughs> come and talk to us. <laughs> I will say so far, all the firewood people have been like, nope, don't want it. <laughs> Uh, I mean, there's like thousands and thousands of dollars worth of, uh, oh my gosh. like yeah. firewood back if then. If you had the right tool, it, it would be a, a great deal for yeah, someone. I'd give it away sure. for free. Yeah, no, it's yours. Your name is all over it. Anyway. Um, so yeah, if you know somebody that's getting ready to log their property or need some help <laughs> with the idea of logging. Or buying a property and they, you know, don't know that they shouldn't buy a forest. Right, yeah. <laughs> Share this podcast with them. <laughs> if you're in the midst of this and you're in the same um, kind of scenario and you want to commiserate, send us a message, DM, <laughs> email, text. Yeah. But you're um, not alone. You're not alone. You're not alone. Right. Not yeah. everyone inherited a beautiful set of like decades worth of free farmed land to make yeah. their make their homestead on and so we're trying to you know carve it out of the wilderness and essentially like i like to think we're doing it for you because now we've learned right. that yeah. hard lesson this is all that for you. when we come out and do a consult for you we can tell you like <laughs> hey don't do this or this is how you can do this and um we have more knowledge or let's think about an yeah. alternative to right. spending that kind of dough on clearing this land yeah. anyway all right well thank you for listening <laughs>